Um, oftentimes when, you know, some companies or brands reach out to me and I go to their website and I see a, a very, dare I say, it's just a bunch of white men on their team, I'm not going to be as inclined or excited to answer because where's the diversity? Where's the inclusion? Where's making sure that, you know, women have a voice in your organization? Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Christine and Renee, welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast. It is fantastic to have you here today. I'm absolutely pumped to have this conversation. As I was saying to you both before we started, Pam and I, huge fans of my BFF, love everything that you've done onboarding some incredible women into this space. And it's just so inspiring to watch. So before we kick off into everything today, I would love to know a little bit about each of you, your journeys, what got you interested in Web3? What got you into my BFF? So who would like to kick off? Uh, Christine, Renee, over to you both. Oh, goodness. Uh, I think I'll probably start considering the fact that I was BFF employee number one, which is so weird. Oh, to think yes. <laughs> yes, I know. It's so odd. Um, so my journey in Web3 really started during that weird time in the pandemic when Everyone was kind of looking for connection and everyone was into the Clubhouse app. And it seemed like half the rooms on Clubhouse were talking about these new things called NFTs. Uh, and so my interest continued to peak the more that I saw it, but nothing really felt like I identified with it quite yet. And, you know, I, I still wasn't fully familiar with the technology. Like at, at that point, I thought it was just like a bunch of apes and pictures and like a very narrow minded view. Um, and then, you know, after a time, you know, it started to sort of catch up in, in different ways and that people I knew were getting more interested in the industry and it became little by little more popular. And then ultimately, I discovered World of Women and it completely changed my perspective in the way that, you know, it, it's so much more than just meets the eye of it just being a picture or even a technology, but the community element really was like an aha moment for me. Um, going into the Discord, really discovering that it was a brand, it, it made a huge pivotal moment for me in, in a hobby and interest perspective. But it wasn't until I joined this uh, coalition of folks who were really interested in Web3, it's called CPG Club which ironically is, uh, you know, a, Jamie, our founder, is the co-founder of CPG Club. Her and her husband, Chris, um, had put it together and it originally started in Clubhouse, but they turned it into a, a Web3 project where they brought in uh, mentors and people to connect and discuss and learn from each other in the Web3 industry. And it made me feel more passionate by the day being in this environment. And Jamie being the co-founder, um, you know, she obviously was within this club and it's all within a telegram setting. So, you know, I was able to communicate with her. And then I sort of had this idea one day because there just wasn't really a, a good group of, of where women within the club could congregate. So I formed something called uh, the No Boys Allowed group. And so in that group uh, was a lot of really brilliant entrepreneurs. We had the editor-in-chief at Ledger, Ariel Wingroff, 
Um, we had Jamie and a lot of other just absolutely sensational women. And through that group, Jamie and I had gotten closer and I knew that she was developing something in Web3, but it was like very mysterious. Uh, and, you know, this what was formerly a hobby had now become such a passion of mine that I couldn't help but think in the back of my mind, what if I turned this into a career and who better to do it with than Jamie Schmidt? So I decided to do something crazy and I'm sort of known for that. My spontaneity and determination is, you know, I reached out and I was like, hey, Jamie, um, could I get your email? And through that email, I asked for a call. And on that call, I shot my shot. And I said, hey, you know, you know my background, which if you're not aware, it's about nine years of experience representing hundreds of brands in e-commerce and television. Is there any you know, room in partnerships for what you're doing? And she said, sure. <laughs> you know, I don't even have any employees yet, but I know your background, but I, you know, I'd love to have you. Uh, and so I started in a part-time capacity, but I laughed myself now because you know, it's once you go part time in Web3, you eventually you can't help but want to be full time. So I yeah. left my agency. I put all of that behind. It was very hard to do. But at the same token, I just felt this very strong urge to make an impact in a new industry. Um, so that's sort of where my journey began. I love it. And there's so many things I want to pull apart in that, um, but I'm definitely going to sit with that and come back to you, Christine. But over to you, Renee, what's been your journey into Web3, your background, and uh, when did your My BFF uh, journey begin? Yeah, it's actually really similar to Christine's, which is quite funny. Um, but my entry in was through my husband who actually bought his first NFT in February last year. And he didn't tell me at the time. He didn't tell me for a couple of months, which was probably a good thing because <laughs> I don't think I would have been too happy with him spending that amount of money on a JPEG. Um, and I kind <laughs> yeah. of, when he told me he had just done his first flip, I think. So he'd made back the money he put in and then he told me, which was a good move also. Um, but he became sensible a, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he became obsessed with NFTs, and for the first little bit, I ignored it. I was like, "This is just a phase; it'll pass." And then he was getting up at two AM, and I was like, "All right, this is sticking." And then I started to ask more questions and kind of become a bit more embedded in the Web three ecosystem myself. And the the time that it kind of it really stuck for me was starting to find out about these communities and my background is community management for startups through to public companies and I spent the last 10 years trying to convince companies to care about their communities and create Facebook groups and pull their community on what they want and suddenly there was this space where the brands that were doing the best were the ones who actually were incorporating their community and giving them ownership. So that for me was where I started to really pay attention and wanted to find a way to contribute. And I had been following Jamie from her, I'd read her book and I'd been following her for a while and I saw that she announced BFF. So I went to the webinar and then afterwards I uh, joined the Discord and I think I sent a message and I was just... <laughs> testing the response time to see how the support was and if they needed like extra hands um, within the business. And it took a little while. So I reached out to Jamie and I was like, hey, this is my background. I'd love to help. Like I don't expect a paid position. I just want, 
I just feel really compelled to jump in and support because even when I did enter Web3, I joined a few discords that my husband had told me about and it was just all these bros and it just didn't stick with me. So it was the first project that I felt really at home in and wanted to contribute as much as I could. Amazing. I love that. You were just swooping right in there as the solution to one yeah. of the problems, Renee. It's a very smart move. There's also a common thread with both of your stories. The fact that you just reached out and asked. And this is what Pam and I keep on saying. It's like, you don't ask, you don't get. And we are, you know, honestly on this mission to, to build sisterhood now and, and constantly throwing ourselves in situations where we're feeling a bit uncomfortable being like, oh, should we ask? Should we, should we put our hand up to speak? And it, it can be quite daunting, but it's so brave to put yourself out there. And I think especially as a as a female in this space as well, and this is sort of what I love my BFF because they have created such a safe space and no questions silly. And I know I had so many questions and like you, Christine, I didn't understand why on earth were people paying all this money for apes? <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? I just, I just didn't, it didn't click for me. But what did click for me, similar to both of you, is the community, is the mission, is is the, the technology behind the NFT, the utility you can attach, the value you can have. So it is such an exciting space. Now, one thing I will say that my BFF have done such a phenomenal job at is onboarding people. I watched the webinar and I was blown away by just how how easy and simple they made it, right? All of these acronyms and terms. I was like, I get it now. So I'd love to know, we obviously have a long way to go in terms of making sure Web3 is inclusive and bringing on more people, but where where, where have you seen the biggest like blockers have been? And the what have you come up against when you are on board and bringing new people on? Like, what are the hesitation? What's the sort of similar questions that people have sort of when entering this new space? I think what my BFF did also that is just so poignant in this discussion as it relates to onboarding is accessibility. And I, I talk about this all the time because it's so imperative to the process because there are so many people who are interested in the space, but either don't know the first steps, are intimidated, intimidated by the first steps, or they just simply don't have a means to do it in a financial capacity. So that I think was solved by the way that the onboarding was specifically after the kickoff event, because we only asked for two things. We asked for an email address and a wallet address. And anyone who didn't have a wallet, we were there for one-on-one -on -one support. We had, we had one-on-one -on -one support beyond, I think, any other project that existed at the time, which was absolutely sensational. We were one of the first uh, companies to put together an SMS text service that you could actually text and there be a person on the other side uh, helping you, whether that be to set up your wallet, if you have a silly question, if you have an advanced question. Um, and we also had all of our social media, our Discord. So I think accessibility in a macro capacity when it comes to onboarding is so imperative. You have to meet people where they're at and you have to provide an easy access point to be able to enter the space. And so you know, we also learned from that data that 46% of people had never even set up a wallet. So that showcased wow. a few things. One, that there were people that were interested in getting in the space, but they really needed a guiding hand to be able to help, you know, set up that wallet, you know, answer any questions they might have, any kind of security type of questions they may have. Um, and, and two, uh, we provided a free NFT. We airdropped it right into the wallet. No financial yes. commitment required. And that is huge. We made people feel like they could do it right from the get-go without having to spend a dime. And then three, beyond that, 
I, I consider it almost like a journey that airdrop was the beginning of us teaching through a process on how not just to set up a wallet and get an NFT, but eventually that NFT would be able to turn into another NFT that eventually became that famous PFP by Jade Purple Brown. Um, and that's where we taught people how to buy Ethereum. That's where we taught people how to mint. That's where we taught people what a rarity score is. So it very much was a process that focused on all of the elements that people really need to feel confident, have that accessibility, and feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. I must say, um, my BFF are actually responsible for getting me educated in the space. Um, so it was actually broken down so beautifully. And I was literally pausing, setting up my MetaMask, play, get my Ethereum, pause, play, right, okay, get my first ever NFT. So um, it's just, it's been absolutely wonderful to to watch that education piece. And that's from someone that really, I was going from ground zero and it was broken down just beautifully step by step. And I love that you did create that sort of no boys allowed. <laughs> that That's absolutely fantastic, right? Because it is so important for, um, for women to go and have a, a space where they genuinely feel as though they can put their hand up and ask the most ridiculous of questions and just feel so supported. Um, we've actually spoken to a couple of women um, on the podcast and there was one in particular that really stood out. She was desperate to just immerse herself in the world of NFTs and Web3 and she said she, she went on, she was so excited, she was in all these discords and there were a few um, of the projects that she was in and she's no word of a lie um, she got told to get back to the kitchen where she belonged if that is some of the questions that she had to ask she said it was just absolutely horrendous so of course we immediately directed her to my bff um but you know that's the kind of the kind of dialogue that if you dip into some of the more alpha driven um cash cash grab type projects like you know that's the kind of messaging that they can sometimes put out so to create that sort of safe space for women is just absolutely phenomenal mm. Absolutely. And one thing I as well just want to say is your community. I, I, it's, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And Renee, I'd love to pick your brains on this because obviously Sisterhood right now, we've got a much smaller community than my BFF. But it, how do you go about managing that and, and, and keeping your community engaged? I think this is the key thing as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, you want to have a community that feels safe and valued, but you also want to keep them engaged. So how have you gone about that? I think it's such a skill set. And I'd love to dive into yeah your thought process around that community engagement. Yeah, for sure. So it's definitely been a team effort. We have a community team um, and we also have a team of moderators. So we're incredibly lucky to for the company to have um, customer support and community as a high priority, we are the biggest department within the company. And I think that has really served us well, especially um, since we started. So I think in terms of customer or community engagement, we've had multiple seasons. Like there was the bear market where everyone was in there and it was just exciting every day. And we didn't really need to do as many um, engagement kind of activities but now as we head into more of a bear market it is a different season and we have to adjust and I think the brands and the projects that are adjusting and are changing their strategy are the ones that are going to succeed so we're doing more um 
you know, events and calls. We do those every week. We consider that kind of like the baseline for continuing the education process for our community. And then the other strategy which we've started to implement, which Riley from our team has been heading up, is the micro communities. So this is about niching down because I think BFF as a brand has quite a big mission you know if you're a woman non-binary friend or anyone really and you're onboarding into web3 you can come into our discord but then I think from my experience the communities that really thrive are the communities that have a lot in common and they have that common mission and they have lots of shared interest so in Mm -hmm. this next chapter we're focusing on building more of those micro communities out whether it's people who are creative people who are starting businesses or have side hustles or just interested in entrepreneurship or maybe it's the developers and the more technical side. So we're starting to build out those smaller communities um, and have deeper experiences for them. So they they will be our bracelet holders, so our holders kind of micro communities that we're working on. So there are a couple of the things that we're doing, but we're evolving it every day and we're just continuing to pivot with the different market conditions and how our community are feeling. We do a lot of polls and really listen to the community and try to give them what they want because that's what we're here for. Absolutely. I absolutely love that. What a fantastic idea of like almost like sectioning it off. And because obviously in your community, you'll have so many people who have got different interests. You know, you'll get, like yeah. you say, the entrepreneurs, the creatives, you know, that that's so that's such a great idea. I love that. And this this is the this is the thing is where my brain sort of starts to just go off on a million different ways of just it's just so creative. And people say to me all the time, like, you know, what's the next five years, 10 years look like? And I'm like, I don't know. For the first time in my life, I think in Web3, having this sort this type of business you can't say for sure because everything is evolving day by day we are we're so early it's what I keep saying to people we are just at the beginning so I I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of ask you, you this question but obviously you've touched upon you know like the different sort of communities that you're going to be building within my BFF but where do you see the the future more short term but for, for my bff is there sort of anything happening right now in in the background that you're working on that you're really excited about that's going to obviously continue to add value into your community and for your holders Ooh. renee you want me to <laughs> take say? this one because honestly <laughs> yeah. so much uh, i would say beyond anything and i say this very broadly but content content is crucial for us to focus on because not only are we in such an evolving and dynamic industry, but the means in which we communicate with our community is essential to its success. So we have obviously our social media channels, which I mean, include, um, you know, Twitter, Discord, Instagram, which Instagram is becoming a a bit more popular these days. And I will say it was Mm -hmm. an honor to be chosen as one of the first projects that has the little hexagonal PFP. Uh, And then now we've also started our TikTok. uh, And then even more recently, as of today, we released our newsletter, which is going to be really imperative to be able to give continual weekly updates to our BFF community and whoever wants to subscribe. I I think even if you're not in BFF, it's worthy of of subscribing to the newsletter because it's just so damn informative. Um, You know, we have at the helm our... Uh, Editor-in-Chief Caroline Fairchild, she used to be the editor-at-large at at LinkedIn. Uh, She comes from a broad, incredible array of experience that uniquely positions us to be able to have, I think, uh, just a broad spectrum of content while also just hitting the nail on some of the more 
important issues and recent events that happen within the industry. So right now, for instance, we're talking about the Ethereum merge. We're talking about, um, you know, CCO. We're talking about uh, also our founding BFS and their stories and how they, you know, come into the equation as something that, you know, really is our ecosystem within an ecosystem and within BF BFF. We uh, we have so much to share from, you know, the, the industry side and also the community stories. Um, we have a lot of really incredible creatives, and developers, and and just also, you know, our average members, you know, they have such incredible stories to tell and using our platform in as many ways as possible that we can communicate um, with our holders in the broader community is a huge uh, important element of what we're focusing on in the near and far future. Mm. I love that. I think uh, content is something that we're also very big on. You know, the podcast we definitely try and you know do it. Do a weekly podcast. We we have a newsletter as well. We're just got Twitter, and it, it's sometimes so overwhelming. Right? I, I won't lie. Like you know, we're 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 a small business right now. It's myself, Pam, my husband, Kyle. We have a community manager. We have two devs. Right? We're a lot smaller team than my BFF. Right? We, I'm guess I'm sure you've got a whole team of people pumping out content. But I would, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's just the both of you flying the flag. <laughs> maybe that's it. But I, I, I would love to know, I know that we've got a few women that listen to this that are thinking about starting their own projects and would look at my BFF as being like, wow, that is incredible. Look at those all amazing founders. Look at those incredible female voices. Oh my goodness. I just feel so overwhelmed. Like, where do I begin? Do, do you have any advice for how to get started in this space? If you are somebody that's interested in launching your own um, NFT project or just get into the space in general any advice for for women out there that are looking going my goodness I'd love to do that but where do I begin I can I can speak to that first so I think one of the most important things is to think about what you're uniquely good at and I think for BFF they had like an incredible at Britain Jamie had an incredible network of people they had like the resources to be able to launch with a bang and like bring everybody together and have this really incredible kickoff event but I think there's also something really beautiful about starting small and just having a community and maybe you're interested in a specific niche within web3 maybe it's sustainable fashion and just starting to build a small community of people who are also passionate about that and putting out content that's authentic to you because I think there are lots of different niches and people are interested in exploring their interests within Web3. So I think the best advice mm -hmm. would be just to start and don't be afraid to start small and start, yeah, just what would you say, Christine? I mean, other than, you know, starting with our kickoff event, I think, you know, there's some really great resources that sort of break things down in a way that, you know, takes the complexity out of some of the uh, some of the things that make people a little bit more apprehensive. There's obviously also a lot of skepticism surrounding um, the industry as it relates to, you know, the technology, the usefulness. I mean, I think, you know, breaking down the barriers of where you might find some obstacles is, you know, a big point of making sure that you have a seamless uh, journey ahead of yourself, but also making sure that if you are building a business or a brand, which I don't even like calling them NFT projects anymore, we're talking about brands. Yeah. Um, yes. If you're building yes. a brand, make sure that you're aligning with a team that fits to your vision. I think it's, it's very easy in the space because it's become a lot more saturated now 
Um, a lot of people, you know, are coming from a, a place that's like a little too money driven or a little too scattered. So, you know, finding people to be on your team that are focused and driven and ambitious and, you know, have a bit of a mix of everything. One of my favorite analogies in business is is one I can't remember for the life of me what the book is. But it classifies people into different categories, one being Starks, who are typically a bit more forthright and, um, you know, are a little bit more almost salesy and can get things done and are you know right on the money. And then you have your urchins who are considered to be more logical and they focus a bit more on numbers and uh, they are strategists. And then you have your whales, which are your supporters. Um, those to be able to uplift the team, to be able to make them feel like the, you know they're fully supported in whatever they do. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, the dolphins, who are the ones that are very social and they love to talk and to meet people and to network. So I think having a nice balance of these things is crucial in your team, because when you have one that's a little bit too much or one that's a little far removed, um, it can sometimes throw away the balance. And in, in this space, it's very crucial as you focus on community to be able to make sure that they're supported, that there's consistent partnerships and activity going on that keeps up the momentum of the project, that you have social connectivity within what you're building, and also a keen sense of data and analytics. So all of these things combined are really just important in the grand scheme of things when it comes to a team. And I'm very proud to say that we have a very good balance at BFF and allow ourselves to be able to create uh, and evolve in, in different ways within our own um, team, because we can really understand one another and be able to have goals that we can meet with our individual skill sets. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying today's podcast. I am just popping on in here to say on the 23rd of September, we are opening the doors to the Sisterhood Club and the Sisterhood School. We will be launching 1,111 sister NFTs that will grant you immediate access to the Sisterhood School. So I encourage each and every one of you who listen to this podcast to please put your name down on the golden goddess list to get early access $50 off the mint price and a chance to win a one-on-one golden goddess so pause right now to go and do that because i do not want you to miss out and i really hope that you enjoy the rest of today's podcast yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel as though there's a few different lenses that I could unpack some of that information there. But one of the things I actually really want to touch upon is careers in Web3. So for a lot of our listeners and people that are in our community, and in actual fact, Georgie and I actually run a tech recruitment firm as well. Um, and we've actually had a lot of women reaching out to say that they would be interested in getting exposure in the world of Web3 and and how would how would we go about, you know, getting careers in this space? And I feel as though, Renee, like community management is absolutely one of those emerging career spaces that's only going to, um, it's only going to grow um, o- over time. But Renee, you, you interestingly mentioned that when you first put your hand up as well, you were looking to get exposure and just looking to get involved and you were more than happy to 
um, to do that um, unpaid. If if we could just like talk to that, do you think that that's it's important for people to just like get out there and get exposure, whether that's paid or unpaid? You know, just to dip their toe um, into the world of Web three. Like, what would your advice be? What do you see as being the next sort of big careers in the space? And how do you think that women can get themselves involved in getting exposure in Web three at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So community manager is pretty new. Um, I've been doing it for companies, but they've been pretty focused on their customers and unique. And I think they were a bit ahead of the curve when I was doing that role. So now to see it being the cornerstone of a brand in Web3 is really exciting to me. And I think that community manager really needs a mixture of obviously connecting with people and being able to provide a supportive environment for the community to grow but they also need to have Mm -hmm. that kind of background of being a bit like data driven and it is a business at the end of the day so it is important to kind of have your finger on the pulse and make sure that there is return on investment for the time that you and your team are investing in the community so um Yeah, I think it is important to jump in and whether that is put your hand up to be in an unpaid position or not. I think there are a few projects in the space who are kind of taking advantage of people who want to get exposure for a little bit too long. Um, So I think you do need to know your worth, but I was definitely happy to jump in and just it is a new space. Discord was pretty new to me. So I had so much to learn. And I think if you can jump in and you can just act like a mod, that's how... um, the other two full-time community uh, community team members at BFF got their role. They were just in the Discord all the time helping people. They were already doing that kind of moderator role and we acknowledged that and brought them onto the team full-time. So definitely encourage people to be active in the communities that they're thinking that they might want to progress into a full-time position with. Amazing. That, that, that's that's such sound advice as well. And hopefully um, our community that's listening to this, because like Pam said, we, we have actually had so many messages from people being like, how do I get into Web3? And, you know, and, and we've said, look, community manager is a very much needed skill set right now. And it is something that not everyone has that natural skill set, that natural sort of, I guess, nurturing, curious nature to them to be like, listen, like, you know, ask, be approachable. You know, I think like it being authentic, like that is to me a good community manager. I know that Rach, our community manager, she's somebody that you could just, she'd do anything for anyone. She's such a beautiful woman and she's just so kind and caring. It just comes naturally to her. And she Collaborative. Just, yeah, she yeah. just pulls you in and she's like, right. Yeah, correct, yeah. right. Exactly. It's like, that is what makes a good community manager. And I can just sense it. I think it's a feeling that you give people, right? It's like you make people feel safe in your company. So right now I can see why you're such a phenomenal community manager. But Christine, I'd love to go on to, on to you a bit more now as well. So obviously you've got a huge role at my BFF as well. Partnerships. <laughs> I'm sure you're getting uh, bombarded <laughs> with people being like, can we partner? Can we partner? So what kind of, um, what sort of things are you looking for, right? Because my BFF, they could really have their pick right now. What, what, what are you looking for in a partnership with my BFF? Like what sort of boxes are you looking to tick? You know, I'd really love to understand your thought process when you do partner with other projects, businesses, what are you looking for in a partnership? Well, you know, first I want to address the inbound because I mean, it got to a point where like it was, it was quite literally impossible for me to respond to everyone and it still is. So we had to sort of create systems to uh, allow people to like fill out forms and we have our own filters and we have our own means in which we kind of 
systematically uh, evaluate potential partnerships. But in the grand scheme of things, um, one of the most important things might be a little obvious, but it's it's really making sure that they align strongly with our mission and our values and you know what we are seeing for our brand in the future. I, I, this might be a little cliche, but um, oftentimes when you know some companies uh, or brands reach out to me and I go to their website and I see a, a very, um, dare I say, it's just a bunch of white men on their team, I'm not going to be as inclined or excited to answer because where's the diversity? Where's the inclusion? Where's making sure that, you know, women have a voice in your organization? I, I think that that is, is huge in the, the base layer of things, but you have to also consider the different types of partnerships that exist in Web3, and there are many. Um, there are Web2 companies who are wanting to come into this space, some of which are are ready to do full-blown things and, and create collections and do something dynamic. And that requires a, a lot of work and strategy. And um, there are Web2 companies that want to come in a little more quietly, but they also want to align with our brand and, and find a place to be able to partner in a way that's comfortable for them. Uh, and then obviously there are other Web3 brands and companies who want to partner with us in different capacities, whether it be, uh, you know, a Twitter spaces or a discord voice chat to be able to speak to their stories and what they're doing and utilizing our platform and i'm never one for one-sided type of partnerships I, I generally don't do well with people reaching out purely to utilize our platform i like to always come from a place of thinking symbiotically how can we work together where both sides of the equation stand to benefit you understand what we're doing and appreciate it and are also on the same mission and, and have the same values of making sure that your organization is diverse and inclusive and is making sure that you know we have a partnership that benefits the greater community um, in, in both sides. So I think it ultimately comes down to you know what type of partnership is it? Um, how can we work together to achieve common goals and driving an impact? Um, and, and also making sure that there is a value to what we're doing. And sometimes that value is knowledge. Other times it's a physical product. Um, other times, you know, it's a way that, you know, we can connect our community digitally or even in real life. Uh, I think there's a place for brands to be able to play in Web3 in so many different ways, whether it's through voice or activations or education, uh, you know, I think it really comes down to just understanding fundamentally how that partnership can benefit on all sides and making sure that the community stands to benefit the most. Mm. I love um, what, what you've actually mentioned a few times, Christine. I love that you're actually using the term businesses and not projects. You're using the word brand. You're using the words impact. I just love the language that you're actually using. And this, um, the world of NFTs has absolutely evolved. I only originally got interested in this space in January of this year. And even since in that short space of time, I've just saw how everything has evolved. And it's not only about the JPEG anymore. It's not just about the, the art piece. Although, of course, um, the artist you know is incredibly important to any project but it's also about when you're looking at it it's like well, you know what what is this about like what is the, sustain the sustainability of this business so let's start using that language and not projects and that's like exactly what Georgie and I have been saying as well like this is not just about an NFT project for us this is about building for the future 
And I feel as though that is something that's really important and a message to get out to the community as well is that women don't necessarily have, you know, as much of a dis- and I'm generalizing here, right? Much of a disposable income and free cash as say your men, right? It's and one thing that, yeah, absolutely right. And we want to make it clear that where women invest their money is is incredibly important, right? And, you know, you've got this whole DYOR. And of course, when you say to women, do your own research is incredibly important. But what... What what do, what would you sort of say to women who are out there? They've been on the fence about you know making their first ever NFT purchase, and when when they're researching, what would you say to them is incredibly important because we want to make sure that we're educating women in a way that they are, you know, make taking calculated risks with where they're actually spending their money in this space because we know there are a lot of sort of um, cash grab projects out there you know what would you say to women that are looking to buy into their first nft um, project and business and um what would you say to for them to look out for renee i think this is one you should take (laughs) (laughs) i think just touching on the point you mentioned it is you know in this space the incentives aren't aligned for brands or um, businesses to create long-term value for consumers. In a traditional Mm. world, you create your product, you get product market fit and you like create, you know, you have something to provide your community. Whereas in this space, something launches, they get their money up front and then you hope that they continue to provide value. So I think the first thing I would say is to look for brands um, and companies who are who have a long-term vision. And I think BFF is mm-hmm. a really great example of that. And that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to it is because the founders have that, that business background and that business acumen. And they had from the start a, you know, a very long roadmap. And that gave me a lot of comfort. It wasn't just kind of like a cash grab project. So that's something that I look out for. And then I think the other thing to think about is what you want to spend time doing in Web3, like actually jump into communities and be active for a long time before you purchase, you don't need to FOMO in, just take your time, spend time in Discord and go to the communities that you resonate with. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely sound advice. Thank you so much for that. And I do think that, you know, it is, you know, we do need to be aware of, you know, the whole financial aspect of it. Um, We don't want women to think that they're just coming in to buy this, you know, as an investment strategy and they're going to be able to sell it on the secondary marketplace and double the money that they make, you know, from the outset. You know, you need to be a realistic. It's like, what are you getting into this for? What's the utility behind the project? Is there one? Is If it's just a piece of art that you want to hang on your wall, absolutely great. If you love it, go get it. Um, but it's more so around like if you're buying this as an investment strategy, is it an investment into like yourself, into what you're going to get from the community, what you're going to get from the immediate access to the utility? Or is it something that, you know, you just want to you want to hold and, um, you know, for, for the long term because you love the art? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Christine, and I think, you have- oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you go in You finish. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think something that is really clear in the space is that and it's difficult to manage as a community manager is the different expectations that people have because obviously mm, yes, somebody who yes. gets a free mint is stoked with anything that you do. And then somebody who might buy the top of that project have different expectations. So I think it creates a lot of challenge and it's a good challenge to have is to be able to kind of provide value to all those people. And um, it is challenging because some people might see value. You know, we've done a perk shop. Some people might think that's amazing. Other people might love the weekly events. Other people might just be in it for investment so I think it is a challenge in this space and being clear on why you're here before you put money in Mm -hmm. is really important yeah 
That's fantastic. Christine, anything to add to that? (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's also important to think on the dark side of things because not everything is sunshine and rainbows in Web3 and that some things might not be as they appear. Um, So kind of similar to Web2 mentality, there are certain behaviors and things to look out for. So, you know, there are new projects popping up all the time and I call them projects because they're not brands or companies just yet. Um, you know, these are very in, much in their infancy and you want to make sure to to look for things like checking out their followers, you know, scroll through them, uh, see if they look legit. Um, and that also applies to the engagement. Look at the post, see if people are commenting authentically, see if there's conversations happening. That also applies to Discord. Go into the Discord and don't be fooled necessarily by how many members are there. Examine the conversations, you know, see if people are engaged in almost like a grinding type culture. These types of things are generally ill-advisable, unhealthy, and warning signs to make sure that you're really uh, entering something that is going to be sustainable Uh, beneficial to you and also not a rug because we're seeing a lot of that just in you know people coming in you know having a flashy project putting out a lot of really fun creative assets uh, and not really being able to deliver uh, on the investment that people are putting into it and beyond that they're not able to deliver to the trust factor that one puts whenever you're financially contributing to these types of companies uh, and i think that there's a lot of people especially whenever they enter the space that they tend to you know fall for these types of situations where things might seem too good to be true and a lot of that is a mindset that i try to always keep in the back of my mind that if it sounds too good to be true, or if someone's reaching out to you about an opportunity that seems too good to be true, take a few steps back, really do some research, figure out what you're getting into, and don't be afraid to also consult others. Uh, you know, ask an advice of a friend, someone who's a bit more experienced in the space. Uh, you know, don't necessarily jump into anything for the sake of FOMO or for some sort of instantaneous reward, um, those tend to be things that I find are red flags. And uh, especially for people that are crypto curious, um, just make sure that those are things that you're staying away from. Yeah. Yes. Incredible advice there. And this is exactly why Pam and I have done this podcast, because this whole pace of education, and we don't want to scare people, right? Because generally there's so many amazing people and we've met, I would say almost all of them now like there's more and more people coming to space every single day but there's some incredible people that just want to do good in this space but unfortunately with all of the light comes the dark right and it's just making sure that you are aware of both doing your own research and I think both of you have just said some incredible advice there which I really hope sinks in so yes come into this space but come in with eyes wide open be optimistic be positive look for the light and try and stay away from the dark such incredible advice look I could honestly sit here and chat to you both all day but I'm so conscious of your time so I'd love to make sure I'm sending people to the right places so Christine you first where where should people go to reach out to you if they've got a great idea they want to partner with my BFF uh, make sure you listen to that part when Christine says you know all the things she looks for but where should we send them if they want to reach out to you 
Oh, for me, uh, I would say, you know, honestly, our Discord is like a really great place to not only just feel out our community. I hang out there all the time. Renee is always there. Um, she's usually the first person to welcome people into the community. And if you have a big idea, um, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, really, our team is incredible about funneling those things to me. So um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm M-A-J-E-S-T-I-Q-U-E underscore E. And you guys, I'm sure we'll put that in the little section yes, at will. some point. <laughs> and obviously on LinkedIn, you can find me, Christine Terrio. And it's easy to remember how to spell my last name because it's, it's like the riot, T-H-E-R-I-O-T. So that's another easy Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> amazing we'll make sure we send people there and Renee how about yourself yeah so you can reach me on any of the FS platforms I am the person behind most of our messages so that's a great place <laughs> yeah but also I do have Twitter um Renee.eth is my Twitter but I spend most of my day in the BFF inbox because it gets pretty overwhelming in there to start with but I do check my personal and try to reach out to everybody who DMs me as well. Phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for coming on today. This this podcast has just been come with just full of knowledge, full of tips, full of advice. And I'm so excited to get out to our community. So thank you both so much. And uh, for all of our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as Pam, I and Sky did. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Take care. so much for listening to today's episode i really hope that you enjoyed it and if you did please give a little share on your social and if you have time please leave a review and i hope to see you next time take care